It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Talk. Unrivaled talk. Talk radio. The only radio show you can count on for a proper serving of good old-fashioned common sense. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on the fastest growing broadcaster on the planet. We're going to start saying that now because we're not just on radio, we're on television as well. Uh, we have a growing number of viewers, we have a growing number of listeners, thanks to all of you. We're not going to keep going on about it, but we're going to go on about it today just because we can. Uh, we won't go on about it next week. We've reached the end of yet another tumultuous week in the dangerous world of international politics and plankery. Insults have been hurled, the cost of living has never been higher and Downing Street has lost five officials in the space of the last 24 hours, probably actually less than 24 hours. Are they going to lose any more during the course of this show? You never really know, do you? What can we expect from the upcoming weekend? We'll be asking Andrew Bridgen what he makes of it all. Plus, Richard Tice is here with his take on the events of the last few days. He'll tell us what he thinks of Rishi Sunak and his rather odd version of economics, where he seems to think that giving us back some money that we've already given him uh, is going to rescue us from oblivion uh, financially. I don't think it is. There's an absolute crisis coming, and it isn't going to be pleasant for anyone, as far as I can see. Ben Habib's joining us later on on the cost of housing... All the illegal migrants who have come to this country who are still being put up in hotels. It's millions and millions of pounds a day. Nick Freeman is also here, Mr. Loophole. He'll be telling us why grandmother should never have been fined for fly tipping because that is absolutely not utterly ludicrous. Uh, we'll also be talking to Julian Jessup, independent economic e- economist, I should say. We've got the Perrier Awards. We've got your calls coming in as well because we've got lots and lots to talk about including all sorts of strangeness going on with Prince Harry once again. 0344 499 1000. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on the fastest growing broadcaster in the land. This is, of course, Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Well, it says meltdown in Downing Street on the front page of the Daily Mail. Four of Boris's closest aides go in day of drama. It's five now because somebody else went this morning. Uh, nobody running policy, nobody running press, nobody seemingly running anything. Uh, maybe even the guy that was organising the parties has disappeared. Rishi puts the knife into the Prime Minister and won't rule out number 10 bid. And it's all as interest rates, energy bills and inflation soar. Blimey. Richard Tice is here. Just, another just, quiet Friday. Just another quiet week, another <laughs> quiet Thursday and Friday. Unbelievable. I mean, the meltdown in Downing Street, I think, is a bit like the meltdown in the weather above central London. It's, it's grey, it? it's gloomy, Grim. it's miserable, yeah. it's windy, and I suspect all of those things apply to what's so going you're on not in buying, Downing Street. you're not buying the, oh, this is just a reorganisation story, which didn't come out until this morning, right? Just ridiculous. Mm. The, the sort of the way they use WhatsApp messages to say, oh, let's try and pretend that this is sort of part of the Prime Minister's plan. The resignation of Manira Mirza is absolutely seismic. Yes. You know, she's worked with the Prime Minister for 14 years And it's the reason that she gave in her very open, honest resignation letter about what what the Prime Minister tried to do with with Sir Keir Starmer in the House of Commons with those those comments. And I think this is a Prime Minister that's that's essentially out of control and things are just melting down around him and his own own judgment is melting down. And it's... well, it's, it's actually not even it's, so much that, is it? It's the fact that he isn't really able to make any decision now based on anything other than how is this going to help me stay in the job? Uh, well, but the bottom line is he is the prime minister of the country and we all expect him to be able to make decisions on behalf of the country. Mm. And I think you're right. I think that it's all now about how to prop himself up where actually, I think, whatever anybody's views, uh, however anybody voted, the reality is that what's going on is damaging the country. And I think 
more and more Tory MPs are having a really good hard look at themselves. Yes. And I think and, more and more letters will probably be going in as a result, as we've seen more and more going. We don't know how many are there. But it's right to say, isn't it, that the only people now that can really uh, remove him, if that is what people want, is, are the Tory MPs. It's in the hands of the Tory MPs, which it has been, but they have a, an important decision to make. Are they happy and prepared to allow uh, Boris Johnson to remain as Prime Minister, given everything that's happened, given all that we know, mm. given how he's behaved, and they've then got to sleep at night and look themselves in the eye and look their constituents in the eye. And, you know, we, we all know the reality. We don't need to wait for the police inquiry. Mm. In my view, uh, he's humiliated the office of the prime minister, uh, the, the office of government, trust in government. Uh, he's deeply damaging uh, the reputation of the Conservative Party. And, yeah. he's and he's humiliating and embarrassing this great country on the international yes. stage. And, all and the that's people, really serious. And all the people, and there are fewer of them now than there were, uh, who were having a go at us for having a go at Boris, saying, you know, he's the best Prime Minister we've had. Because when you ask them what he's actually done in terms of the substance of it, highlighted again this week by the Northern Ireland Protocol, you know, another First Minister has resigned in, in Northern Ireland. Yes. Brexit still hasn't happened for the people living in Northern Ireland. So as much as it has happened for us, and, and we're very happy with that, it hasn't happened for everyone in the UK. Similarly, the migrant story pops up again yesterday. Uh, we're spending, what, four so, to five? to six million pounds I mean, this a is day. unbelievable. So the Home Office, uh, whether by error or by sort of uh, deliberate concealment, uh, they revealed a figure of just over a million pounds a day. Mm. This is just the cost of hotel accommodation only. Only, yes. Okay. And then all of a sudden, a day later, they said, sorry, error. Actually, it's four times that. Yeah. It's nearly, nearly five million pounds a day. That's last year's figure. Yeah. I've done the calculations and the forecast for this mm. year based on the likelihood of 60 to 80,000 yes. more well, illegal migrants January's coming across. Well, it figure for this year, something like seven times previous Yes, January. correct. So if, if you work on the basis that 60 to 80,000 illegal migrants will come across the channel this year, by the end of this year, I estimate the hotel bill will be between 12 and 15 million pounds per day. And it's really important everyone understands, this is not including the long-term accommodation, right. this is just the hotel bill. Right. It's not doesn't include food and, or anything. And I was told by the man whose name escapes me, who was the um, he was the chair of the migrant committee, the migration committee in the House of Commons, is an MP for Kent somewhere. He said to me when I said, "Where do these guys go after they get taken off the boats and they get put on the buses and they get taken to hotels?" Oh, they go to hotels. How long for? He said, "Oh, a couple of days." Absolute rubbish. They're there Absolute. long term, aren't they? These hotels are basically they are taken on long leases now uh, by the Home Office, by the government, uh, from the hoteliers. And they're staying there weeks and months and months. And so the total bill to the nation every year now of just the accommodation loan is billions and billions of pounds. I'm having uh, some additional work and research done on it to try and truly get to the bottom mm. of it. Yes. But these numbers Because are... they've been sweeping this under the carpet now ever since December of 2019. They've done nothing about it. We've heard from Pretty Patel numerous times. We're going to crack down on it. We're going to give France some oh. money. Uh, we're going to tell France to stop them coming. We're going to turn them back. She's it's a... getting worse, she, not better. She gives brilliant warm words and writes lovely articles, and it all sounds great. And the thing is, people bought into that because we grew up learning to trust ministers when they say stuff and when they write stuff. Yeah. Uh, but then the truth is that there's no delivery, there's no action, it's nonsense. We know that now, mm. th it's not even a question of, of telling untruths or mistruths or making errors. They are deliberately lying yeah. time and time again. And I think people have had enough of it. They really are. And also, people have been very, very hot this week, particularly on the green agenda and how ridiculous that is. And why, for example, I mean, Rishi Sunak, and I found it incredibly bizarre yesterday. I know you're, you're going to tell me the reason why he's offering people free money, even though it's not free money. Because, you know, at the end of the day, people are saying, why not do away with the 20% um, you know, uh, green Environmental subsidy, levies, that's uh, right. Take away 5% of VAT, 25% straight off the top. Why the hell is he giving people money in order to continue to enrich these uh, energy companies? It seems bizarre it's, to me. It's more than bizarre. It's completely illogical. Uh, the reality is that people must... They must not buy into the narrative that the Conservatives are desperately spinning. One of their ministers was on one of the other uh, big broadcasters... Uh, this morning, trying to pretend that it's the global prices. Mm. That's nonsense. Mm. The simple proof is, look at the US. The US, they, uh, they, 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 they extract shale gas, they, they, they use all their own domestic energy, and because of that, guess where their gas and electricity prices are, Mike? 50%. I was going to say, a lot lower than ours. of where our prices are. Right. So this myth, this nonsense, that we're exposed to global energy prices, is simply not mm. the case. 
if you use your own energy and we've got bags of it, we've got 50 years plus yeah. of gas and oil under our feet, on our yeah. shores and under the North Sea that's ours, mm. that this government has over many years decided not to use. They're leaving that treasure undergr underground mm. and exposing us to uh, the likes of Putin and people yeah. in the Middle East. And they're also cashing in, by the way, on the increase in the prices, because yes. by taking that tax out of the uh, the bill, you know, they're making more money than they were so, you know, this time last year. So the energy production companies, the Shells, the BPs mm. of this world, are making off like bandits. Right. Um, well, you so saw the, Shell's profits yeah, yesterday. So, so the shareholders of those companies are doing very well. But let's remember that the reality is, if you've got shares in a company, the chances are, it's almost by definition, you will, you will be... Uh, you'll be wealthier than the average wealth of the average individual mm. in the country. So you'll have more money than the average person. Yeah. So therefore, what, what's actually happening, you're enriching the wealthier at the expense yeah. of the least well-off. Mm. And so once again, uh, you've got basically Rishi, the Chancellor of the Tories, they're moving money from the poorest in society uh, to the wealthier. And it's just wrong. Yeah. And you know, look, I believe in free markets, but these are exceptional windfall profits that these energy companies mm. are making through no benefit of their own, mm. but through the stupidity of this government uh, and what Putin's doing. And so it's not unreasonable yeah. to say, actually, there should be a windfall tax. And what instead what Sunak is doing, he's, he's basically giving everybody an interest-free loan for five years. The big flaw in his plan, Mike, is that he's assuming that this is a temporary mm. rise in gas prices. I've got bad news for, for everyone. Uh, if Putin's got anything to do with this, this will be far from temporary. Yes. He wants this to be permanent. Well, he would love to keep things as they are, wouldn't he? So that everything's or, a bit unstable, everything's a bit un... Or worse, yeah. or worse. Imagine, actually, if he increases the instability and the price of gas goes up mm. even further. Right. I'm afraid that is as likely as gas prices are to fall. Yes. This is the severity of, of, essentially, what has happened, and this is all at the Conservative Party's door mm. as a result of their energy policies for the last decade. Yes. And people need to remember... And the deregulation of the industry, which has led to cowboy companies being set up, and I call them that deliberately because they were effectively piggybacking uh, off the main energy suppliers, saying, oh, we'll act as a middleman, we'll sell our gas to uh, to Richard Tice, uh, we'll take it off you, yeah. we'll might charge a little bit less. We, You know, they made massive and, gambles and, it is, and, it is, and lost. And, and I got exposed to it uh, on, on one of my commercial properties where uh, we bought energy through one of these middle companies. Yeah. Uh, we paid the bill to them. And guess what? They didn't pass that money on to the energy producer. Really? So we then get we then get contacted by British Gas right. saying, you haven't paid us. Really? Well, hang on, folks. Yeah. We have paid you. Here's the proof. But the middleman hadn't passed it on because they were in deep right. financial trouble. So, so the whole thing is that there's been no regulation properly, really. Ofgem have been a disgrace, useless in my view. Uh, in fact, they're more keen to actually uh, help out the suppliers than they are the customers. And you know what else is going on at Ofgem? The guy who runs it, guess where he used to work? The Department for Climate Change. Oh, surprise, surprise. So, no, so y your description of, of cowboys is right. It is the Wild West out there. And this is all, all as a result of what uh, this this Conservative Party have done over many, many mm. years, and we're all now paying the price, and people need to remember yes. that. Don't buy into this fact that it's it's the global prices. If we had gone down the American route, thanks to what they did with, with shale gas, uh, thanks to, for example, President Trump, people may not like this, but President Trump uh, allowed there to be more exploration yes. in the US. Well, he so made the got, US self-sufficient, didn't he? Yeah, and they were going that way anyway, mm. uh, but he increased it. And by being self-sufficient, and that's where we need to be, and we can be. Yeah. It's not too late. We could be self-reliant on energy in a matter of years. And that's the way to go. We've got this treasure. Let's use it, yes. because it belongs to all of us. It does. But also, let's look at the taxing regime, because in America, you would never get away with taxing the oil and gas business uh, in the way that they do here at, at the point of delivery. For example, you know, what are we paying for petrol? You fill up your car. It's something like 85% of that is tax, right? In America, it's nothing like that because they'd never get away with it politically. There would literally be people revolting in the streets. And, and in a sense, the reason that uh, that Sunak has resorted to what he, what he announced this week is because he realises that actually these increases are so unpalatable that, uh, you know, people won't put up with it. No. And I don't think we've seen the last of, of these measures. Uh, and again, what he's trying to do is cover up for the embarrassment that about 25% of people's electricity bills is all to do with these environmental mm. levies, these renewable subsidies. And remember where they go, Mike. Those subsidies, 
they go to the uh, the companies that have built these renewable these uh, these wind farms yeah. these solar farms and huge numbers of those are making big big profits mid teen percentage yeah. profits every single year and many of them are actually their US private equity groups their overseas mm. sovereign wealth funds so we're subsidizing foreign investors profits yeah. and that is wrong it is just completely wrong it really we've got is. To have a wholesale reassessment of our utility and our energy Absolutely. policy in this country. I mean, we had some very interesting questions being asked yesterday by various people about, for example, uh, one one came in that said, you know, my energy company, I'm not going to say the name, uh, claimed to be completely and utterly uh, selling us renewable energy, right? So why is it going up as fast as the gas prices are going up? And it, the, the answer came back from Octopus Energy, who actually answered it on the tweet, uh, who said, oh, well, it's, uh, it's because we are basically, the, it's a basket of goods that make the price. So electricity might be cheap, but if gas goes up, then so does electricity. Well, doesn't make any sense does it well the reality is that of course you know, very often it's the gas that makes the electricity so they do move in sync yeah in the same way with oil um but this is all a function of being reliant on energy coming from overseas and to all of those who say oh but we don't you know we want to try and reduce exposure we want to use less gas well hang on mm. Even the government admits we're using gas for the next 30 or 40 years, yeah. at least, yeah. at least. And if you use, if you import gas, then it is creating, you are, you are consuming about 60% or more additional CO2 than if we were using our own gas. Mm. So actually using British gas, right, that's um, taken from our, from our own shores, under our own feet, that actually is better for the environment mm. than bringing in imported yes. gas from the Middle East or Russia. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Uh, we are here at Talk Radio. Richard Tice is here. He's back, of course, on Sunday. We're going to talk some more about what's going on inside Downing Street, what could happen over the course of the weekend, um, and when, oh, when, is there going to be some kind of decision made about everything that has happened in the past inside those walls? This is Talk Radio. Talk Radio. Open discussion. Healthy debate. Talk Radio. Listen. Digest. Repeat. Understand. Smart people, smart speaker, smart TV. Talk radio. Back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. It is Friday. It's been quite a week, I have to say, in the news. We're heading for some kind of financial crisis if we're not already in it. Richard Tice is here with me. Richard, you were talking about um, uh, some of these cowboy companies. How about this? Uh, this is from Chris who says, Mike, we were with Pure Planet and they failed to transfer £170 of our money to the new suppliers. This is these energy companies. Luckily, we noticed that with a bank statement as evidence, we've had the money finally credited to our account. People must check all credit has been transferred. Absolutely so right. So this is obviously People... a problem. This is a massive issue and people need to look really closely at their bills to make sure that money is being moved across and properly credited because it is it is the Wild West out there. But we've been talking about a lot of the problems, Mike, but actually there are some solutions and it's it, these are uh, traditional solutions because what we need to do is we've got to create growth. Mm. And amongst all the noise this week, uh, you've had all the Tory MPs saying, oh, we're going to be the fastest growing country in the G7. No, no, forget that. Because what's happened in the last couple of days is all the growth forecasts are being slashed for the UK. I mean, big time. Yeah. Um, they're coming down to less than half of what the Chancellor was talking about uh, back in the budget right. last November. What we need to do, you've got to create growth. And the only way you do that is you cut taxes hard. Mm. And I mean hard. So forget the national insurance rise about cancelling it. No, you've got to cut taxes. Mm. And you put if you put money into the uh, the pockets of individuals, particularly the lowest paid, the least well off, yeah. and small businesses, that if you do that, then actually they people will spend that money better and wiser mm. than a civil servant on your behalf. Yes. And so you'll get growth. And it's only, way, only by growing your way out of this. And the reality is that the government's balance sheet, the finances actually, are strong enough to be able to absorb that. So mm. we, need to, we need to essentially borrow short term in order to invest in growth in the medium term. When you get more growth, you get higher wages, you get higher taxes in the medium term. Yeah. That's basic economics. And if you look at uh, examples around the world, you look at Australia, they've got much lower taxes than what we've got. And guess what? They've had much higher mm. growth in the last 15 years. Take the US, just the same. Yeah. And so we but can absorb that. But going up, right? We've now yeah. got the highest levels of tax since the Second World War. We've got, so we've and got, they're going up. So we've got the highest taxes for 70 years. Yeah. And we've got the lowest growth forecasts for 60 years. Those two are completely linked. Mm. If you do the opposite... Cut taxes hard, 
Yes, you get a short-term rise in borrowing, but we can deal with that. The government's balance sheet is robust. And that's before you deal with the, the fact that we've got a trillion pounds yeah. worth of treasure under our feet, which I've talked about right. before, and I'll keep banging on about until I go blue in the face. So the government's balance sheet is strong enough. We can absorb this short term, go for growth, cut taxes, and that will deal with this. And this is the solution to the problems we've got. Yes, and a lot of people talking to me yesterday about what Rishi Sunak said uh, in the House about having to rebuild the economy and rebuild after COVID and all of that. The reason that the, the, that the economy is, is in the gutter is thanks to the government. And thanks to all the lockdowns and thanks to all the ability uh, that people had taken away from them to make any money over and the course of the last two years. It's their fault. It's not our fault. And the amount of money that they wasted. Yeah. Uh, through Billions. Through, through tens, hundreds, I mean, tens and tens of billions mm. through failed procurement, uh, through fraud on the furlough right. scheme, through fraud And how can they just the write all that loans. off? I mean, that seems incredible. Well, that's why the minister resigned yeah. uh, 10 days ago, nobly, and, uh, and with great integrity mm. at the dispatch box of yeah. the House of Lords. I... Don't underestimate uh, the quality of what he did, um, Lord Agnew. And, yes. and that was remarkable because he's, he's recognised that there seems to be no appetite amongst the civil servants. They're very good at blowing our money, spending other people's money. They don't seem to be very good at actually husbanding it, looking after it no. and getting it back when it's due to be paid back to us, the taxpayer. No, and they seem to have forgotten as well that it's our money, uh, and whether they do uh, whatever they do with it, they still have to get it only from us. And the fact remains Correct. that not only is there a tax rise coming in the form of national insurance in, in April, but next year they're talking about putting corporation tax up, which won't hurt the Googles of this world. It will hurt the people with small Sorry. companies. It will hurt the people who are trying to run, you know, small and medium-sized businesses, employing all the uh, most of the people in this country. It's absurd. And as I say, the good news is there is a solution out there. And we have to persuade this government, they're in power, they have to be persuaded that actually the government's balance sheet, the finances are robust enough and strong enough that we can go go for growth, cut taxes hard across the board, uh, targeting the lowest paid, the least well off, you lift the personal income tax thresholds, mm. you, you, you remove the need for small businesses to pay any corporation tax, for example, and that way you create growth, you create investment, you create more jobs. And, and that's how you grow your way out of this crisis. You can't tax you out of the crisis. George Osborne tried that mm. in 2010. Yeah. And we had what's called austerity. And now they're going for austerity, Mark II. It's bizarre. It's a form of socialism. Yeah, it really is. Well, it's not a form of socialism. It is socialism. It is I socialism. It's absolutely bare-faced socialism. It might be even communism. One final question on the fracking, though. We had a call, actually, the other day. I meant to ask you about this earlier, uh, from a guy who said he knew about the industry quite yes, a lot. you're absolutely and, right. And he said it was difficult to get you're right. the energy out of the ground. Great guy called Adam. And actually, I spoke to Adam uh, the day after. Right. had a chat with him. And uh, the reality is, and I've double-checked it and treble-checked with the fracking companies, mm. uh, the shale gas companies themselves, yeah. and uh, they, they have reassured me that not only is it viable, actually it's very viable. Right. And I am saying, you know, actually, you don't need to frack. There are new technologies out there. And I talked about it last Sunday, and again, I'm going to keep going on about it. Why wouldn't you look at new technologies? Because that's what happens. Yeah. Great engineers invent things, yes. progress things, create new things, design new right. things. So there are, there are new ways of drilling, of extracting gas yeah. out of the ground, and we should, be, we should be trumpeting that and advancing it and becoming a world yeah. leader in it. Well, don't tell Extinction Rebellion, because they'd like to go back to the Stone Age. You know, they don't want you actually driving around in anything or uh, <clears throat> having anything that needs any kind of energy whatsoever. Fortunately, <clears throat> fortunately, they're nothing to do with anything like the majority of this country. And I believe that with these new technologies, actually... People want to extract that treasure, mm. use what we all own. We all own a piece of this. We've all got yeah. a vested interest in these new technologies that can bring forward shale gas, cheap gas. Imagine if we had our energy prices, they're literally a third or a half of what they are currently. Yeah. That, that would solve everything. Yeah, I mean, I'm starting to sound mad here, but why not actually just form a company uh, which is the biggest public company in the, in the country because it is properly public and give everybody a share of it uh, and make it into something that we can build and use and, and, and um, take the resources from uh, at a non-profit basis? Mike Graham, Chancellor, eh? Chancellor of the Exchequer. What do you think? <laughs> I mean, greatest idea I've had in the last five minutes. Anyway, um, Sunday. Sunday. Your, your uh, show, uh, got a, yes, got another big show coming on. We're going to be talking about... Uh, the migrants uh, crisis, the uh, the cost of that, but also we're going to be looking at all of these, uh, all of the issues we've just been discussing. Mm. The way we've got to actually, we've got to uh, go for growth. There's so much money being mm. wasted, and the government finances are much healthier than we're being told, uh, that we're being misled by MPs. 
we can go for growth. We can do so much. And obviously, we've got to talk about the crisis in Ukraine. Yeah. So, uh, yes, 10 o'clock Sunday. Don't miss mm. it. Lots to discuss. I mean, who knows what could happen between now and then? 10 o'clock on Sunday. I mean, we could have had another 78 people leaving Downing Street, another couple coming in. Uh, we could have a new private. You just don't know. Anything's possible. Richard Tice, thank you very much indeed. Don't miss his show. 10 o'clock Sunday. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Let's talk to Andrew Bridging, Conservative MP for North West Leicestershire, because uh, he was opining last night um, when only two people had disappeared out of the uh, the Downing Street staff. We've now got five people disappearing uh, that it certainly looked a bit like a crisis. Andrew, a very good morning to you. Welcome to the show. Morning, Mike. Um, it's a very worrying time, I would have thought, if you're um, a Conservative MP, because, I mean, you and I have been speaking about the possibility uh, of Boris Johnson being removed now for, what, probably a couple of weeks. Um, it seems to be kind of dragging... For about three weeks. Well, about three weeks, yeah. I mean, it seems to have been dragging for a while. Um, he appears to have sort of dodged the bullet for the time being. But but what is going on? Because um, it seems as, seems to me as though somebody needs to bring all of this to an end. And, and I don't see anybody with a, with a mind to do that. Well, I think when you've got polling of... Uh, showing, I think, three different polls out on Tuesday, showing uh, 63%, 65%, and 69% of the public think the Prime Minister should resign. I mean, that's that's pretty untenable. Um, you've got, if it's not a meltdown, it's certainly chaotic at number 10. Mm. And you've got a lot of people jumping before they're pushed. Um, how many of those will have to be interviewed or would have to be interviewed regarding the 12 so-called gatherings that the Met are looking at uh, I think is it would be of interest. Uh, and ultimately, I think we're getting to the point now where um, the cabinet need to go and see the prime minister and explain that uh, the game's up. The writing's been on the wall in capital letters for quite a while. And um, my message to the cabinet would be, you know, leaders, leaders don't run away from problems. Mm. They have to confront them. And, um, if any of them are thinking that they might be a future prime minister and leader of the great Conservative Party, um, if they don't show leadership now, um, don't bother coming to canvas me. No, quite. But of course, the trouble is so many people in the Tory party, and we've seen this before, um, are waiting for their moment, aren't they? And they sort of don't seem to give a stuff about the electorate. They don't seem to care about the public. The fact that we've got a government which is apparently spinning uh, with wheels going really nowhere, treading water, not really able to do anything because it's kind of paralysed by all of this. You'd think somebody in the cabinet would break ranks and just come out and say, well, we should do this. Well, the longer, the longer this goes on, by association and of not acting, um, the whole of the Parliamentary Conservative Party and the Conservative Party in the country becomes complicit in um, opposing the will of the people. And, and that's never going to end well. Ultimately, we're all elected and we're all accountable. And if that's not to the next general election, then we'll see, we'll see what happens, quite honestly. And it won't be, uh, it won't be good. So there will be uh, culpability by inaction, I think. Yes. Um, people, people know what, what they've got to do. They just need to summon the courage, stir the spirits and, uh, and, and get on with it. And um, also, we, can't, take, we, can't, we just can't carry on like. And also, yeah, take a, like take a look around um, at the sort of what is actually going on out there. You know, see what the public is saying. See what the the economy is looking like. See how there's a crisis looming um, financially for the entire country. Cost of living uh, rising, going through the roof. You know, petrol prices going up, energy prices going up, uh, interest rates going up. You know, this is a perfect storm, really. And so, what you need. Well, the, now... uh, the 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 energy situation. I mean, we haven't had a credible energy policy in this country. They're, that's all long-term planning, and, mm. and they're the questions that politicians of all colours have dodged for decades. Um, but, I mean, when we adopted the Labour policy of the energy price cap, I mean, that was just doomed to disaster. And, and, and we're, we're, reaping, we're reaping that reward now. Mm. Absolutely. And a lot of people are making um, comparisons, Andrew, to the Tory party of the sort of late 90s, just before Tony Blair got in, that there was a great deal of complacency. You know, there was a belief that, that nothing could possibly go wrong, that maybe they didn't need to do anything uh, and they would just win the election. And then suddenly it was all reversed. And, and as much as Sir Keir Starmer is a pretty hopeless um, campaigner and a pretty boring man, um, the longer I think Boris Johnson stays in position, the more chance he's got. Yes, because we'll all be contaminated 
um, by what Boris has done. Yeah. Uh, I mean, ultimately, um, you know, I I had huge policy disagreements with Theresa May when she was Prime Minister over Brexit. Um, but I, I never for one moment uh, questioned her integrity no. and her loyalty to the Conservative Party. And I, 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 I never would. Now, between her administration and what what we've got now, um, we've had Boris in as Prime Minister uh, and the culture has changed in number 10 uh, so drastically because I do not believe for one minute that if Theresa May had been in number 10, we would have been having these uh, reports of parties and rule breaking that we've seen under Boris. Mm. And, and for me, that, that just shows you that Boris can get rid of all the staff in number 10, but ultimately he recruited them. And ultimately the leader of any organization is responsible for the culture. And that culture has changed under oh, his no, leadership. Unquestionably. Um, and certainly by getting rid of five people, that's not going to change the culture anymore. I mean, he himself said that there was thousands of people working in the department of the prime minister, uh, as, it, as it now is. Um, and you'd have to say, and, I, and, I, and I'm, I'm not going to be accused of sexism anymore because two female columnists have written this very thing. Um, you know, you've got to lay some of the blame, surely, at Carrie Johnson. Uh, who seems to have taken it upon herself to create a kind of medieval court-type atmosphere where only friends of hers and friends of his are allowed into the inner circle and they can do whatever they like. And and that's how you end up in a situation where you're completely insulated and immune to what the real people out there are thinking. Mm. That doesn't lead to good politics, doesn't lead to good policy. And it's it's, it's basically unhealthy to have people who aren't elected and aren't accountable at the ballot box holding that much power. No, quite. And what are you hearing from your constituents, Andrew? Because, you know, you and I spoke when you put your letter of uh, no confidence in uh, to the 1922 committee, and you've done that in previous occasions and, and successfully done it, shall we say. What, what are your constituents telling you? Um, I've got some people who are completely loyal to the Prime Minister say they'll never vote for me again. But I would say that my inbox is about 80% supportive of my position in a seat which voted Conservative by 63% of the electorate at the last election. Mm. There's nothing you can do that pleases everyone. Um, I, I would hope that uh, if we can get a new leader in, um, that those people who didn't want to see Boris go will make a considered choice at the next election and decide to vote conservative yes but i don't i don't see i don't see that putting off something which is pretty unpalatable you know six seven eight weeks of uh, of uncertainty while we get a new leader um from where we are now i don't think <clears throat> enough of the electorate will forgive and forget what's gone on at number 10 if boris remains in position and we go with him into the next general election. That's 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 my take on it, Mike. Mm. I could be completely wrong. Well, you could but be, but, but, so. but in the end, also, you have chosen a path to go down, whereas so many of your colleagues have not chosen any path. They're still standing at the crossroads deciding what to do. And that isn't really where we need to be right now, because watching Rishi, Rishi Sunak yesterday uh, in the House, I was absolutely baffled by this kind of economic policy that because people can't afford to pay for something, he's going to give them some of their own money back which supposedly is going to help. Well, one, it's not going to help. Two, all it's going to do is allow the energy companies to get even richer. And three, um, energy prices are still going up and we're apparently now subsidising them. So I don't understand why something else is not doable. Well, we, we need to start governing as a Conservative Party. But we were elected as a Conservative Party with a massive majority. Um, we appear to be doing lots of things that weren't in our manifesto. Um, I mean, I would scrap the national insurance increase. That's that's a tax on jobs. Mm. And I am flattered that I tweeted out um, about four or five weeks ago that it was the wrong tax at the wrong time. And that's now apparently the Labour Party's uh, attack line. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> well, hopefully, they're not, well, as long they're as not, not even they're not even original. They're not even original. <laughs> as, as long as you're not going to follow old Weasel Wakeford over the uh, over the line, that's fine. Uh, certainly not. Uh, I'm a great believer in anyone who who is elected for a party and then uh, defects. They should uh, they should have a, a, a by election. Well, uh, well he's a great believer. He's a great he's a great believer. Betrayal of the public. Uh, yes. If well, we do that. Well, he's a big believer in that as well. So I'm just waiting for him to announce when the date is. He put, he bought in. A, he, put, he tried to bring in a uh, a bill to uh, to deliver yes. that uh, that mandate. 
Uh, I, I imagine he wouldn't want to talk about it now. But I, I guess the people, of, the good people of Bury South might want to talk about it. Well, you might think so. Um, so, Andrew, I mean, any more sort of uh, surprises? I know it's always difficult to predict surprises, but any more surprises coming over the weekend from Downing Street, do you think? I mean, is there anybody left in there to come out? Well, I think, I think now is the time for the Cabinet to go and see the Prime Minister and, and explain that uh, they can't keep going out and, and defending this. Um, I think we, we'd probably... I keep saying this every week. We're, I'm hoping we're going to get to 54 letters. Um, I think that would then um, trigger whatever anyone's. Um, I'm thinking of Dominic Cummings has still got in his in his arsenal. He'll unload all of that and get all that out at once. But, I mean, the question is with all these people leaving Number Ten, Mike, uh, under a cloud, uh, disgruntled former employees. I mean, we wouldn't have known anything about Partygate if it hadn't been for a disgruntled former employee. So surely this is only exacerbating the mm. problem and the chances that they might want to get their side of the story out in the Sunday papers. This is going to go on again. Um, and I just see it's, it's no end to it. No. It's paralysing the, the Prime Minister. It's paralysing the government. And, um, and that's not what we're here for. We're here to serve the people, not for every lever of government to be employed 24 hours a day trying to uh, defend the Prime Minister's uh, position. No. That's, that's not good government. No, you're absolutely right. Andrew, great to talk to you. Thank you very much indeed. Andrew Bridge and Conservative MP for North West Leicestershire saying a great many uh, sensible things. And I think it's hard to disagree uh, with whichever route you want to go down on this. Surely the point has come where Downing Street needs to basically fish or cut bait, as we used to say. Uh, they need to bring this all to a close. They need to move on. They need to get with the programme. And either Boris Johnson will, re will relieve himself of his position and he will resign... Or or uh, he will be pushed out by the people in his own party. Either way, the inevitable is coming, and you might as well get over it and get on with it. That's what I'm saying. This is Talk Radio. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio Talk now though to Julian Jessup, Independent Economist because we are, ladies and gentlemen uh, about to experience I think one of the worst inflationary spirals and financial crises uh, of my lifetime. Julian, a very good morning to you. Good morning. Thanks very much indeed for joining us. I mean, it's all pretty bad news, isn't it? Looking around um, a spread in the sun today, rise in living mm. costs is £2,767,000. Uh, it looks like uh, the savings of the three fifty that we might get from Rishi Sunak, if we're lucky, but it's not going to happen to very many people, that accounts for something like £350. But basically, council tax is going to go up, petrol's going up, everybody's bills are going up, so every business is going to put prices up. Um, it's a pretty nasty situation, isn't it? 
Yeah, it's looking pretty grim, and I don't think that policy is helping. I think at the moment, it, it, we're rather like we're in an aeroplane where there are at least two pilots, each of them putting random levers, some of them making the, the plane go up, some of them making the plane go down. Uh, the cabin crew, the MPs, in other words, getting really restless, and a lot of the passengers at the back of the plane are surviving on peanuts. So mm. um, it's, it's all not looking great. Um, I think the first rule of government and chancellors in particular should be don't make things worse. So... I think now is an obvious time to, to cancel the increase in, in national insurance. Well, you would think so, wouldn't you? I, want, I, I wonder if they're waiting for a more sort of politically expedient moment to do that. Well, they can't leave it too long. I mean, if, the longer they leave it in place, then it just looks really bad that, you know, there's a there's a big increase coming. If they cancel it at the last moment, it really does suggest that they don't know what they're doing. Um, as far <laughs> as forbid. energy prices are concerned, of course, it, it's not really the, the government's fault, but energy prices are going up everywhere. But how you respond to it is is something that you can control. Um, I wouldn't go all the way that, you know, the French have done. I mean, the, the French basically have transferred all of the costs from consumers to, to taxpayers, adding even more to the very high tax burden there. But mm. I think what the Chancellor has announced isn't very effective. I mean, you, you mentioned the £350. Uh, £200 of that is a discount, which isn't really a discount. It's a, it's a, it's a loan you've got to repay. Right. And it's not going to come into effect until October anyway. So that leaves a lot of low-income households on the hook for higher bills in the meantime. Yes. And, um, also, and also, by the time October rolls around, there might have been two further kind of hikes in the energy price anyway, right? Exactly. I, I think the priority should be to, to do more now, particularly targeted at low-income households. Now, um, the government has done a few good things. I think probably the increase in the living wage, was the national minimum wage, was sensible. Um, there are other things that it's done around the, the warm homes discount and the taper for universal credit. But um, I think low-income households in particular will need more support in the next few months. And there are, there are lots of things I think the government could still do around universal credit, for example, uh, pensioner credits. Um, because otherwise, this is, a, this is clearly say, a massive shock, particularly for poorer households that can afford it the least. Yes, I think that's right. And I found it bizarre yesterday for Rishi Sunak to be making out that he's kind of helping people because the amount of money doesn't, I mean, it's going to cost the government plenty, but it's not actually going to really make much difference, I think, to people's day-to-day -day lives. You know, and a council tax rebate when there's a council tax rise likely coming anyway mm. is basically not giving them any more money in their pockets, is it? Yeah, there's an awful lot of spin here that has always annoyed me. For example, he talks about, you know, a nine billion support package. Right. Well, I mean, six billion of that is actually a loan. So, you know, right. it's giving us a bit of our own money. So it's sort of a buy now, pay later. Yeah, also they the do two people. things and they call it a package. You know, it's this yeah, kind of... exactly. That's that. That's not really help. Mm. Um, the council tax thing is, is more meaningful. But again, this is my sort of metaphor of the aeroplane where you're you're putting on levers that make it go up at the same time as putting on levers that make it go down. Mm. So we're in a funny system where at the moment he's raising some taxes and cutting some benefits at the same time as cutting some taxes and, and raising other benefits. So it's a, it's a real mix of, of, of measures that is very confusing. Even for me as a professional economist, I don't fully understand what's no. going on. And it, seems... and it sends a very difficult signal for consumers. Well, it does. And you're right to say that obviously they can't control the energy price. However, we have had a period of, of, of very bad energy policy in this country, mostly uh, over the, say, the last 10 years or so. And much of it deregulated to the point of madness. You know, I mean, some of the companies that have gone bust, which have caused an awful lot of problems for an awful lot of people, were simply, as I've described, sort of cowboy operations that were piggybacking on, uh, you know, they were like the guy in the middle coming between you and somebody trying to sell you a house saying, oh, I can sell you the house, but I'll take a little cut of it um, and I can give it you for less money. You know, and you're kind of going, well, it, this didn't happen in any other country in Europe. Well, a lot of the problems, I think, are actually caused by too much um, intervention rather than too little. Mm. So the... Uh, the reason why a lot of those companies went bankrupt was because the, the energy price cap, which did serve a useful purpose in protecting households, meant that you know these smaller companies couldn't raise prices properly in order to reflect higher costs. So to some extent, that's a reflection of too much intervention. But more generally, the government has been fiddling around in the energy market for years, I mean, excessive green taxes and you know favouring fuels that uh, it, you know, might be the long-term solution, but in the short term, we're overly dependent on wind. Uh, so a lack of wind pushes up our energy bills. Right. Uh, we've underinvested in nuclear, which is a, a fuel that actually is great for 
great for the environment um i would actually have lowered our bills so mm. so energy policy has actually contributed to the the crisis that we're having and a lot of it is about too much intervention mm. rather than rather than too little yes i take your point and and certainly it would i would have thought be easier wouldn't it and maybe you can explain why they won't do it uh, other than an ideological one um to get rid of this green subsidy that makes up for 20 percent of everybody's household bill because surely it would make more sense for us to make the bills less rather than trying to loan people money wouldn't it yeah, I think that's right. I mean, there's an argument also for, for cutting VAT on, on our energy bills yeah. as well. And other European countries have done it, though in our case, it's already very low at 5%. So that might only make a marginal difference. Um, but the argument against that is that that would lower bills for everybody, um, and including people like me who arguably don't need that additional support. It might be better to target the support that those that really need it the most, which is where I think doing more on things like universal credit would have been a more effective solution. Yeah, I think so. Because I mean, I do worry about this government. And we know that there's been unprecedented pressure on the on the, on the, the, the exchequer and the Treasury's had to struggle uh, with furlough money, fraudulent uh, removal of billions of pounds, which they seem to have now written off. Um, but it seems to me that we're getting used to now the government sort of bailing everything out. And I think that's a dangerous road to go down, um, because in the end, there will always be something. Uh, that people can't afford to pay for. And I'm sorry, I take the view, and I don't know whether this is now going to be considered to be unfashionable and too hard line. If you can't afford something, don't buy it. Yeah, I think there's, there's a lot in that. I, I certainly wouldn't go down the, the French route I described earlier, because I think that if you are a relatively well-off consumer, then you should pay the going rate for, yeah. for your, the energy that you use. And right. if global prices are high, you should pay that rate. And I think there's a danger of assuming that the government's is there to, to fix everything, right. uh, to fix every single price in the economy, which is wrong. Um, but I think my concern with the government at the moment is it it does feel the need, partly because of the, the problems in, in number 10, to be seen to be fixing things. And so it's pulling all sorts of, of levers, uh, some of which involve cutting taxes and raising benefits. But at the same time, you've got the sort of, you know, the headbangers in the Treasury saying you've got to fix the deficit sooner rather than later. So other taxes are going up and other benefits are being cut. And mm. so you've got an overall policy that really doesn't stack up. And the increase in uncertainty is unnecessarily hurting the economy and making things far worse than they need to be. And we had a caller just before the news who was talking to us. He didn't quite get to finish his point, but he was kind of arguing that, you know, the government subsidy of people to do nothing has created a kind of vacuum, economically speaking, because while money has been printed and quantitative easing or whatever you wish to call it has been in place now for quite a long time. If you're giving people money simply not to produce anything, um, then that's a vicious spiral, isn't it? Yeah, well, I, yeah, good, two good points there. I mean, first of all, the, the furlough scheme in particular, I think most people agree that that was in place for too long. So yeah. you know, when the furlough scheme ended uh, late last year, there wasn't the mass surge in unemployment that, mm. that many people feared that there would have been because a lot of those people were indeed just being paid to do nothing. Yeah. Uh, the other point is you're right to bring in the, the Bank of England here. I think you know, the Bank of England takes more, you know, should take more blame for this. And the right. reason why inflation is high overall is because the central bank have been printing too much money uh, pumping it into the economy, and that's been driving up overall inflation. And I thought it was a bit rich yesterday that Bank of England Governor Andrew Bailey seems to be blaming workers for the fact that inflation was high, yeah. rather than perhaps looking a bit closer to home at the fact that monetary policy has been too loose for too long. Well, exactly right. And, and also, I, I would say, just anecdotally, People have been spending more money, I think, over the course of the last, say, five or seven years. They've been buying more expensive cars. They've been buying perhaps more expensive houses. They've been buying things for their kids that maybe 10 years ago they wouldn't have bothered doing. You know, people have been stretching themselves out there. Um, and there's not a lot of elasticity left now because many people have now got already big credit card bills that they're paying off. Um, and this could cripple a lot of people, couldn't it? Yeah, well, that, that, one of the dangers of keeping interest rates so low for so long is it, it does sort of encourage people to to overborrow and mm. overspend and sort of stores up bigger problems for the for the future. Um, that said, I'm still actually quite optimistic for this year. I mean, the, the strength of the labour market is important. Thank God we've met somebody who's optimistic. <laughs> Julian, congratulations. Give that man yeah, a coconut. Yeah, the labor market's pretty strong. I mean, wages are not quite keeping pace with inflation, but, you know, they're, they're not that far behind. But on top of that, you know, more people are in work, job security is higher. Uh, and there are at least some people who have built up savings during the pandemic who may now be more willing to spend them. Mm. I think businesses are going to invest a lot more this year as well. And that's a big plus. So um, I'm, I'm not as gloomy about the economy as some are, including, including the Bank of England. But yeah. um, the government, I think, by its policies, is making things a lot worse than they need to be. Well, that's the thing. I mean, the only reason, and I'm 
normally a very optimistic individual, but but the reason I mean I was sitting watching Sunak yesterday, standing up at the uh, at the dispatch box, and just thinking, goodness gracious, I didn't really realise how bad things were because the more inflation uh, goes up, the le- the worse it gets for people who can't afford to buy things, and I'm not sure where that all ends up. I mean, I I sort of remember the 70s, and it, it wasn't a very good time to be around. Mm. Well, there's certainly a danger of talking yourself into a recession that you, you don't need. Um, and I, I think, again, that's a criticism of the of, of the Bank of England coming out and telling people to ask for lower wage increases at the time of a, a major cost of living crisis is, is sending all sorts of bad signals to them as well as being being bad economics. Yeah. So I think it's important not to be too gloomy about the economy. But but equally, you can't dismiss the genuine problems that mm. we have. And particularly, as I say, you know, poorer households are going to struggle with their energy bills over the next few months. Yeah, absolutely. And are you one of those, Julian, that believes the inflationary um, sort of figure to actually be higher than it is being said to be. It's said to be about 5.4%, uh, but we know from other people's sort of research that they think it's actually the actual real figure is much higher than that because of the way that they, um, the, 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 the things that they use to judge the inflation. Uh, no, I, I don't actually think there's a, there's a big distortion here. I mean, some people have been arguing that the, the inflation rate faced by, by poorer people is a lot higher than that faced by uh, richer people. That, mm. That's not actually true. Yes, poorer people spend more on things like energy, but richer people spend more on things like holidays and household goods and cars yeah. and so on, whose prices have also been, been rising a lot. So there isn't a huge difference in the inflation rates faced by the rich and the poor. The big difference is that even at the same inflation rate, inflation is a bigger problem for poorer people because you know they've got less savings to dip into. And also they find it harder to delay spending because almost all of the money that they spend is on essentials rather than discretionary goods. But the inflation rates faced by the rich and poor um, are about the same. And I think the official measures are probably about right. Yeah, I think that's right. Julian, thank you very much indeed. Julian Jessup there, uh, independent economist, IEA economics fellow, uh, telling us what he thinks is going on. Uh, he's more optimistic than most are about the way things are going to pan out over the course of the year. But it is, of course, now. Uh, an incredible tight squeeze for an awful lot of people uh, because the crunch is coming um, and it's going to get a lot more expensive for a lot more people. We've got uh, inflation going up. We've got uh, interest rates going up. So mortgages are going to get more expensive. Everything that you buy is likely to be going up in price anyway. And we know what's going on with the energy market. You are going to be paying through the nose just to keep yourself warm. Incredible. Now, we've got lots of more great stories coming through about microwaves, about daft things that people have done. Um, And I've got uh, a question here from somebody who doesn't unfortunately give a name. What do you mean, in your view, if you can't afford something, don't buy it? Well, pretty straightforward, though, isn't it? I mean, it means what it says it means. It means if you can't afford to buy a Mercedes, you shouldn't be buying one. If you can't afford to buy a bottle of champagne, you shouldn't be buying one. If things are too expensive, you shouldn't be borrowing money to buy them. I just don't think that's something that is sustainable. That's all. Talk radio. Accept no substitutes. Access all arguments. The UK's official opinion exchange. Free speech radio. Shut up and listen. We're on your side. The home of common sense. Talk radio. Somebody's handed me some uh, Prosecco. I mean... I mean, we've done the greatest ever ratings of all time. Do you think it could have been champagne, guys? I mean, Prosecco looks like it's been a bit used as well. So I'm going to pour myself a glass of Prosecco because, obviously, uh, we're full of congratulations here. Oh, good. There is some in there. There's not much in there, is there? They've all been at it outside. Anyway, so here's to you. Uh, here's to me. Uh, here's to all of us. Um, well done, everybody. And well done, everybody behind the scenes uh, who you can't see. Um, but sometimes you'll see some of them. Hmm. Now, I'm delighted to say that Vanessa's here as well, uh, because we've now had such success um, talking to all of you about microwaves um, uh, that we're going to hear your stories and uh, we're going to hear her story. But before we hear Vanessa's story, and you can see her now if you're watching, uh, have a look at this. This is Vanessa after the incident. This is like I just cleaned it like off here and off there and I vacuumed. But like, look at it all. (laughs) hilarious it's a little bit over there we just haven't got to that little bit there and then look at this exploded like look at that what the <laughs> but yeah my mouth is so so painful hilarious we're just looking inside um, uh, Vanessa's flat there, where there was literally egg everywhere. She she put the egg into the microwave. Vanessa's here. Welcome oh, to the show. Thanks. 
I mean, I bet you didn't know when you told me this story this oh morning while you were making my face. It's so embarrassing. That you'd now be here. I know, you're now going to be known as the egg girl. Yeah, for the rest but of everyone time. has a story yeah. that they've done it. And once you say it, then everyone's like, I've done that before. Once yes. I told my friend, she was telling me how the egg had exploded in her face as well. Right. So tell us what actually happened. What were you doing? Oh, my God. So I was having a boiled egg and yeah. I undercooked it. And so I thought, oh, let me just stick it in the microwave a bit. But it had a bigger, sh- like a bit so of So you undercooked it. it, what? Did you not time it? No, no, I didn't. I must. I don't know if it was like cold or something. Yeah. So I was like, you can scramble an egg in a microwave. Surely yeah. you could just put a boiled egg in there. You would think. And then I don't know what I did if I like cracked it, but it exploded in my face. And I exploded at like the dining table, but it was everywhere. Like everywhere it could possibly, but it exploded in my face. Right. Like, you're lucky you didn't get a really serious injury because, like yeah, I no, said, when I when face. I did mine, the whole front of the microwave blew off. Oh I mean, the, the door just literally blew off. It was just hysterical. I was like in shock. Like I was shaking. I was yeah. like, "This could have been so much worse." And it was just so unexpected. Yeah. Like, it was like a bomb went off in my face. It's incredible, isn't it? Yeah. Well, thank goodness that you survived. That I survived. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm here to tell the story. Now, according to the people um, who know these things behind the glass, they say you're meant to apparently stick a pin through the the egg no no it wasn't it wasn't fully shelled like i'd already picked some of the shell some of the shell was already off yeah yeah it wasn't like a fully enclosed egg okay so that should have helped right yeah well you would think so but it didn't no it's clearly a very bad idea basically to put an egg into a microwave we should ask like a scientist like why does it combust it's a good idea you see, why haven't they thought of that? Yeah, like, I mean, you know, this is makeup artist to the stars and egg exploder. <laughs> Vanessa is now uh, assistant producing this show, telling us to get an expert on. Well, maybe we can. And great for subjects, apparently talking subjects. Well, it's just incredible. I mean, I've got so many uh, people telling me stories. I mean, I've got another story that I haven't told, which is when I was going to defrost some chicken, and um, <laughs> I mean, it just sounds funny, doesn't it? <laughs> And uh, it came from some supermarket that I don't normally use. And mm. apparently, unbeknownst to me, the packet of chicken has a little kind of metal strip Oh, like in the it. security tag? Yeah. Oh, I mean, so in case you're going to steal it. I mean, like you're going to steal chicken. I mean, I suppose it's, some people it's do. It's exactly. Um, anyway, I didn't know that this metal thing was in there. So, I, again, I put it in and I walked away and I came back and it was on fire. The whole, the whole the packet whole, like of the chicken. Plastic and the chicken. So the plastic was on fire, which is obviously Barbecue not a great chicken. thing. The chicken was then contaminated with the plastic, oh. and the microwave was also sort of there was stuff kind of melting in there, and it was just like oh, for God's there's sake. another one. Opened it, placed the microwave. And I mean, two. luckily the microwave on this on this occasion wasn't actually completely ruined, but you know. But oh, I think so it you, is. You'd have some fumes coming out. Do you of that think one. you finally? got rid of all the egg though have you got it all i moved apartments so i don't know oh you land. moved yeah yeah no no not because <laughs> of the egg just in general <laughs> that was a long time ago and have you got a microwave now yeah but no eggs go in it no eggs no, go in it definitely not no very good well thank you very much Thanks for sharing for that story me. i mean Glad i think we're it. all in great need of of some kind of i should give you a glass of prosecco really but they've only given me one glass well, I'm afraid. I'm sure you can get some out there. Um, So keep those stories coming in because uh, there's lots of them. There's so many people uh, who have got these stories. Uh, So do keep bringing them in to us and we will continue to tell them to everybody else. Uh, How about this from someone who says, when we first had a log burner, I put my socks on top to warm them up, came back a few minutes later and had a pair of bubbling liquidized socks. They just completely (laughs) melted. That's incredible. Absolutely extraordinary stuff. Coming up in the next hour, we're going to be talking to Ben Habib, uh, who is, of course, going to be telling us all about uh, what is going on with the migrant crisis. Because, in fact, what I can tell you uh, is that we're spending something in the order of five million pounds a day simply uh, to house these people in hotels up and down the country. And that seems to me to be a ludicrous expense that we cannot continue to do. Let's go to Kevin, who wants to talk a little bit about interest. He's in Litchfield. Hello, Kevin. Yeah, good morning, Mike. How are you um, doing? This, this £200 interest-free loan that yes. Rishi's giving us. Um, well, personally, I don't really need it, but I'm going to take it. Right. Because it's interest-free and it's repayable over five years. Right. Um, and by the time five years comes around, I might be dead, so I might not have to pay. Yeah, because, I mean, are they saying exactly when you have to pay it back by? Uh, £40 a year onto your bill over five years is what I read. Really? Yeah. 
So that's not bad, is it? So, I mean, uh, you might never, as you say, you might never actually get to pay it back. But, I mean, the whole idea is nonsensical, isn't it? I mean, we should not be subsidising companies who are overcharging us for a service that is absolutely necessary. They should be telling them that they charge us less money or tax them. They shouldn't be giving us free money to keep them rich. No, exactly. And and I'm going to get £150 off my um, council tax, Band B council tax. Yes. Which I'm not going to have to repay mm. uh, which is very great i'm very grateful well that's that i suppose i mean any any council tax bill that goes down is very welcome but i mean again what's the council going to say about that presumably they're going to say well now we can't empty your bin uh well they struggle to do that anyway <laughs> <laughs> i mean unbelievable now listen i'm told you may have a story for me about cocoa powder uh, well yes uh, it, trying to cut a long story short um, I was about to move house mm. and I was being filmed by the local BBC uh, regional TV programme oh, yeah. in relation to um, housing situation. Right. Because I was, I, was, I was moving from a, um, a house that I owned right. uh, with my wife who died and okay. I was moving to a shared ownership property and right. they, they wanted some feature. So they sent the reporter and the camera crew along on a on a Friday morning mm. as I was trying to do some packing. Right. And they wanted to film me taking items out of my kitchen cupboard and putting them in boxes. Right. And as I took a large tub of cocoa powder out of the cupboard, <laughs> the top came off and it went everywhere. <laughs> How big was this tub of cocoa powder? Well, it, it was probably... Was it one of those, like, industrial-sized ones? No, no, no. It was, it was about the size of... Uh, well, slightly wider and twice as high as a, a can of uh, baked beans, a cardboard one. You know? OK, right. Uh, like like you get gravy granules in and that sort of thing. Yes. But it went all over the kitchen, all over <laughs> me, all over the £14,000 camera from the BBC. <laughs> Excellent. That's always a good plan. Uh, throw cocoa powder over the BBC. Uh, did you just leave it there and not bother cleaning it up because you were moving? No, no, sadly I had to, I had to move it because <laughs> I couldn't. <laughs> I could not leave it for the nice people that were buying no. the house. Well, you're a very decent man, Kevin. Thank you very much. Indeed, yes, Thank exactly. you very much indeed. Kevin in Litchfield. He says he's going to take the loan. He doesn't need the loan. But he's going to, this is what happens, right? This is how you manage to get people walking off with government money, right? And I'm not saying Kevin's doing that because he's been given it and he's quite entitled to it. But people who don't need money, if you offer them free money, they'll take it. It's ridiculous. What's going on? Anyway. Talk radio across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB, online, or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio.